It's like, I do fucking dare. Like, <laughs> how dare you, good sir? See you at the town square at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's how fucking stupid this was. Iron Brains, a podcast that, 20 years on from that awful Tuesday morning in 2001, believes that we must, indeed, never forget the 2,977 humans murdered by 19 terrorists and their enablers, the bankers and janitors, the security guards and firefighters, the moms and dads and sons and daughters, all these lives violently ended by people who probably sincerely believed that they were engaged in a holy war on behalf of a just and righteous God. All these lives pointlessly destroyed because of random bad luck, a deeply felt misapprehension of divine will, and the psychopathic, self-aggrandizing intentions of a few men responding to the injustices of the world around them with only more nihilistic destruction. Nearly 3,000 people killed, all equally worthy of the basic dignity owed every human life, to be loved and to be mourned and to be remembered. To be remembered for their humanity, to be remembered for what was stolen from them and stolen from those who knew them, remembered for what they gave to their loved ones and what their loved ones gave to them, remembered like any other human life, really, whether lived to whatever can be called a natural end or extinguished by disease or accident or tragic and spectacular violence. Even when a human life concludes joyously, bursting with grace and gratitude for having had the chance to share with them this incredibly unlikely but apparently inevitable experience, the basic unfairness of total finality is always there, so unavoidable a reality that we construct elaborate, millennia-spanning cultural fictions around the promise that what we know to be true cannot be so must not be so. But this really is all we have. The mistake is in not realizing that it is enough. The mistake is in forgetting how precious and rare each moment here really is, diluting it with the insistence that there is more elsewhere. The same mistake that makes such calamity and devastation conceivable in the first place. A mistake of grief. A mistake of hope. Never forget, we promise each other, at first charmed, even hypnotized by the basic humanity of it, the implicit commitment to one another so reassuring and safe. Then, never forget, we are exhorted, with the itchy trigger finger of righteous vengeance. Then, never forget, we are admonished, with calm rationales stoked into escalating paroxysms of moral certitude. And now, never forget is a masking agent sprayed like heavy perfume over the slow decay of our acrid catharsis. Twenty years of surveillance and torture and death, of mistrust and hatred, over a putrescent civilization that doesn't yet recognize its self-annihilation, but suspects it. Never forget, because remembering is easier than lifting the sheet and confronting the dead before us, the dead in our wake. Enough dead in 20 years of the war on terror that if we killed 3,000 people every month since September 11, 2001, we'd still be 60 9-11s short of the total number killed in this endeavor. 
And though it's impossible to sort the innocent and the guilty, we can at least count the non-combatants, more than 360,000 dead civilians, enough frantic and pointless death for a 9-11 every other month for 20 years. All these lives pointlessly destroyed because of random bad luck, a deeply felt misapprehension of divine will, or the noble allure of political progress and regulation, and the psychopathic self-aggrandizing intentions of furious man responding to the injustices of the world around him with only more hysterical grasping for control. And we can only hope that the battered survivors of an unjust world can do what we have not, can find a way to forget, that they will not make our mistakes of grief, our mistakes of hope. Sometimes, I think, forgetting is better. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm good. Lori's good. Today is Monday, September the 13th. 2021. It is uh, 20 years and two days since 9-11. Feels like we haven't recorded in like a month because right. of how long the last week was. But really, we recorded just a week ago. Did we ago. record on Monday last week? We did. We wow. recorded just last Monday. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I think, it, yeah, uh, that's right. That was a long I, time ago because you guys were uh, traveled for a wedding and we I traveled. traveled to help my brother move. It just felt like a very long, yeah. long week. Yeah, you went to Texas, right? You were in Austin. I flew to Austin, um, which was a very pleasant uh, flight, just two hours. I didn't realize how uh, I just can't fast, imagine how they? good it is to fly planes. It's just so easy. You just get on a thing so and fast. it takes you there. And I, you know, personally do like driving myself, so I thought this would be great. Maybe a 14-hour drive back. I did not take into consideration the fact that what I was driving was not like my Honda Accord, but like my brother's crummier, much crummier vehicle. Also, that wasn't, where uh, you were driving. How yes. old? What, what, what model year was the car you were driving home from Austin? I don't know the age, but like the brakes don't work. The ter <laughs> the signals sometimes will respond to your commands, uh, and uh, all of the like uh, icons that are ca you know caution, emergencies, low this, high that, like all of those <laughs> things were on display. So it was uh, it took like a good hour to kind of okay. I think I used to, I used to be able to drive shittier cars, so it's right. just muscle, it's like uh, riding a bike. And actually, it, it got me thinking: like, do you guys have any like in the long, long, long ago with a car that had something wrong with it? Because I had a lot of those cars where something just didn't work. Hey, like it is impossible to appreciate how much better life is yes. with a car that you yes. don't have to worry about <laughs> yes. than it is to be driving around a car. That you feel like is in constant danger of something going catastrophically wrong. Yes, and you kind of right? take it for yeah, you you kind of take it for granted until you, for whatever reason, find yourself in such a car. When I was driving, my first car was an '86 Honda Civic, which I loved. It was a, a car that my dad bought when my brother and I my I was three years old, my brother was one years old, and he put like ninety five thousand miles or something on it from 1986 until I took it in 1999. 
So in those 13 years, he didn't put quite 100,000 miles on it, if I re remember the odometer readings correctly. Mm -hmm. And then in like the next three, four years, I put 150,000 more miles on the car Yeah, between just driving it up and down the East Coast and also delivering pizzas in it. And for most of that time, it was just a constant source of stress. Even though it was a good and reliable car, it right. was just so old yeah. that things would go wrong and you have to get them fixed. And you don't know if the shimmy is something bad or if the shimmy is just a shimmy. Right, right? exactly. And you yeah. don't know if that noise that you're hearing is just a good noise because that's what an old car makes or if there's something terrible about to happen. Well, and and it, you don't know when they tell you something's broken, like... Do I have to fix that? Right, right. Or they're just trying to upsell you. Is it going to break something? in a month? Like, is this just a thing? Yeah. My car, the steering wheel had a. Bob remembers. My car was like driving a cruise ship. Like you would very spin large, the wheel. Very steering, large boat. Just, just. You would spin the wheel and nothing would happen. Oh wow! It wasn't okay. What was the most terrifying thing about Lori's car was not when you're trying to drive it around a city, which was, in fact, quite terrifying, but when Lori would get going on a highway at 70 miles an hour, and it just sort of floats, like the, the steering wheel just sort of floats. Even though you're going in a straight line, the steering wheel, it's like, <laughs> it's it like you're watching a 1950s movie where they yeah, have I the could, camera set up I could do the pretend and you could thing. do the pretend driving <laughs> all the time and the car would just sort of keep going straight, yeah, even though fine. the wheel is turning like 30 degrees in any direction. Yeah. I couldn't just fix it. Just absolute abject terror. Because the guy just said like, yeah, it's just broken. Like you don't. Well, this is right. you can fix you can it won't work like it's not yeah. going to fix. <laughs> I got used to it. I thought it was fine. That, Everyone else thought basically everyone said when they drove my car they felt drunk. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to drive her car home from downtown after like half a beer because doing so it like it was a force multiplier on the alcohol and you're like guaranteed that I'm going to get pulled over right. if yeah. I'm even the slightest <laughs> bit in the direction of drunkenness it's like, the I'm cops going to know car is because drunk, the yeah. car is going to be halfway <laughs> in the other lane yeah no that's that, that's true i actually i jokingly asked my brother um the brakes work like oh like i said jokingly <laughs> and he's like actually yes <laughs> like don't go to you know don't do i need to <laughs> do i need to know anything about this car before i get in it well you know the brakes are you know touch and it's go like sort of a little heads up there was um i i remember um we had a family van that the reverse did not work like you could not reverse <laughs> so you always had to be aware of where you're driving into you cannot drive into like some cul-de-sac downhill thing that you Are can't you sure yourself out of it wasn't like uh, a very good like somalian lesson your father was trying to pass on and not, I not wish. the state of the of the vehicle instead I, uh, listen abdul rahman you never want to go into a place that you might not be able to back out of I don't know why he's British, uh, vaguely. <laughs> I know, in right? My, Indian, just then. Yeah, in, or Indian, for that matter. And, and another car, I remember, because this is something I still do. So the, uh, another car that I had, uh, the fuel gauge stopped working. Right. And so I just had to keep a manual count. Like I, I would use, like, trip A. <laughs> 
So right. I would always fill it to the top and make sure I'm the only one that drives it. And I knew I had like 380 miles or 400 if I was pushing it. And to right. this day, anytime I fill my gas, even though the car works perfectly, no issue, maybe I just was bit once, but I always reset the trip A. Yeah, whenever I, I can't, it so up. I got into my mother's car, and her trip A said 3,700 miles. And I said, what is this chaos? Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> what, what, what world are you living in, Mom, that you have a trip A of 3,700 miles, you it's maniac? Not, it's not necessary to do. I used to track, because I always tracked my mileage for work. I wanted to track my mileage for, like, how much gas I was consuming over the course of a, you know, because I want to know how many miles per gallon I'm getting before you had what these you fancy the fucking readouts that could... You just feel good about the fact that this week you got 19 useful. miles to the gallon or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a it's the what you've identified here with the car is the exact same thing people talk about, like the cost of being poor from yeah. a psychological a- aspect, right? Yeah. That just yeah. you you just if you've never been poor and never had to constantly worry that the last eleven dollars is going to be jerked out of your checking account and you're going to bounce a check at the grocery right. store or your right. or your card's going to be declined at the gas station, then you've just never really lived the life of a significant portion of Americans, right? Right. Which is a life of constant stress and anxiety about just the most basic everyday things that. You know, certainly at this point, it's been years since I had to worry about those sorts of right. things. Right. It's quick. It's weird how quickly you forget. But anyway, the, the trip went, uh, went smoothly. I we, because of the uh, questionable vehicle, uh, I we broke it up into two trips. So we did like five, six hours on the evening, and then we got a hotel to sleep just for a few hours and drove the rest of the way. I had to uh, find a hotel that would accept cats because my brother owns one of those. Cats uh-huh. and this fucking nice. cat would not let me sleep. Like it, it would just be another thing he didn't tell me. Aww. I was like, "Why is a cat like next Speaking to me?" Speaking of cats, how did you not open this show talking about that cat that got caught by the American flag? Oh, because Wait, he didn't really happened? get caught at a base at a football game this weekend. And you didn't see this? No. What? <laughs> oh my god! This is the most important news. <laughs> two football game, two different football games this weekend. At one of them, what a, was the cat doing at the game? It doesn't know. That's not the point. A sewer pipe burst and was leaking sewage all oh, over fans. Oh, this is the fans. Washington football team? Yeah, that's this, this is was there, the Miami is game. Is there a – there could not have been another team no, to whom perfect. this happened just strictly by the metaphor, that's right? That <laughs> The Washington football team's fans getting a – <laughs> dosed with high volumes of piss and shit. Uh, maybe way. Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia would have been more just, but it was more metaphorically correct for it to happen in Washington. Was this uh, the one with the Dolphins, or uh, what game was the cat one? I remember there was some. I'll somebody find was it. Sh- no, it was the Miami. Okay. I'll find the good video. Okay. It was at the Miami App State game. Okay, that's right. The do- the, the the U team, the college team. Right. Yes, right. yes, yeah. not and, the Dolphins. And there's a cat who's hanging from oh my God. the upper deck or something. Yeah, and like the like, upper bowl or whatever. And then like somebody right. was like trying to like catch it, and really maybe good. they did. Yeah, they caught it. Hold on, the Washington Post. Trying to catch it, and they had they have a flag unfurled to try to catch it, like the cat is a circus performer or something, <laughs> like jumping off of a high ledge. And in the video, it sure looks like the cat missed. Like the intention was good by the people trying to make the catch, but I think that here, the cat missed and just went to the here. ground, which is fine. Cats can fall from it, hi- it high places and be broke fine. It's fall because a cat, it, you, it was ready to land, but. It's uh, it's little legs. Look at that, that cat. Height. 
It's incredible. And then the idiot like picks the cat up and lifts there's it a, triumphantly above his head. Like the poor terrified cat like attacks his arm and he has but, to like throw it no, back a, down again. There's a there's an angle where the it's the first video here, I think, with the commercial in front of it. Wow. Well, we I can't show the video on the podcast. No, I think I I'm think the cat like I think the flag did kind of like break the fall a little bit. It did. It 100%. Look at what that idiot does with the cat afterwards, where he lifts him into the air and shakes him triumphantly. Everybody needed to know that the cat was okay. Come on. You got to give the people what they want. Look at the, the people. They're going crazy. You got to do a thing. Like, it's that like guy catching... lost like 30% of the skin on his arms because he raised that cat triumphantly into the air. No. Speaking of cats, our shitty-ass cat, because we were going to... <laughs> We were going to Vermont this week for my cousin's wedding. It was a beautiful wedding on the top of a mountain. Absolutely spectacular. It was 70 degrees and a nice, a nice breeze. And the sun was out. And like five, seven degrees warmer, it would have been too hot. And any colder, it would have been too cold. It was right. just, just, just perfect. If, I'm, I'm sure that in the heads of a certain percentage of the gathered masses, they said this has been blessed by God. Uh, that this marriage is going to last forever because God has ordained it so just because of the circumstance of the weather. Right. And the extent to which that represents everything that's wrong with our country uh, <laughs> justifies my use of the phrase, the extent to which, right. uh, just now. But beautiful ceremony uh, officiated by my uncle, who's always a hoot for these sorts of things and all of that. However... My dad had to come for various uh, personal family emergency reasons, had to step in at the last minute and come watch our kids while we were going to Vermont. So he got here on like Tuesday night and stayed through until last night. But on Wednesday, the day that Lori and I were getting in the car to drive to Washington, D.C. so that we could get on a plane first thing Thursday morning, I'm making dinner. The plan is I'm going to make dinner. We're going to eat dinner with the kids. We're going to say our goodbyes, and we're going, to, we're going to go away. I walk into the guest room to put a couple of rubber bands in the rubber band holder that I keep in there. This is all very important, Almost obviously. Almost all of those rubber bands are garbage. No, so I now have two <laughs> containers of rubber bands. I have one container of rubber bands that are good rubber bands and are actually usable, and then I have another basically entirely worthless container of rubber bands <laughs> that should just be thrown away, right. but I keep around... For undetermined reasons. <laughs> anyway, I put the two good rubber bands that came with uh, today that day's mail in with the good rubber bands. And I look at the uh, neatly made bed that my father is going to be sleeping on for the next four or five nights. And there's a giant puddle of cat piss oh. in the middle of the she bed. She did not like what was happening. The fucking cat somehow knew what we were up to. She knew. Of course Didn't she knew. Didn't the cat she, pee 18. when you got returned from some other thing not too long ago? The very same cat who peed all over my lap when she we got back like from the Bob trip. She doesn't like when Bob leaves. This is how she shows love and anger at the oh, same time. A protest. She's a fucking piss terrorist. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, like, as I'm trying to get, get dinner on the table and then get out the door for our four-night trip away, I'm also having to like strip the bed and do all the goddamn laundry again right as I'm trying to get out the door. It was terrible. And then anyway. we get then we get back and the dog 
I released the dog from the crate, and she's so excited and just beside herself that we're finally home that she runs around the house at full speed, <laughs> spraying urine everywhere. Oh, because wait, she what? can't fucking control <laughs> she herself. She had to pee, and she was she so excited she couldn't control and it. And she comes running into the kitchen where I am at top speed, just trailing piss behind her and making puddles in front of the oven. I'm like, get out of here. Wow. Go to the front door. Open the front door. And then she's peeing by the front door. And then she's going and hiding in her bed because she knows I'm yelling at her right. for pissing everywhere, where she continues to leak piss into her bed because she cannot control herself because she's too emotional about our return. Wow. Fucking animals, man. <laughs> Although Why it must don't be... you pee when I come home? Why don't you just pee everywhere? Anyway. One other aspect of our trip, actually, that we can talk about, since this is a fun chit-chat episode yeah. of Cast well, Iron nothing Brains. nothing happened except the thing with the cat to talk about. Yeah. We go to Vermont. means we have to fly out of on Vermont. On the anniversary of 9-11. Well, on the anniversary... On nine twelve, yes. whatever. Right. It they felt got, like a bigger deal this year because they made it a bigger deal. They got married on nine eleven, which I like it. They're like taking it back. They're nine eleven is going to mean something different to my cousin and uh, his beautiful bride than it does. Maybe, maybe now for all of us. Right. So thank we can thank Scotty for that. Uh, <laughs> but we means we had to fly back out on nine twelve. And so there's sort of, I mean, not that we really felt it until this happened, but one can imagine a sense of heightened security, perhaps a couple extra TSA agents uh, on, the, on the roam at or the... Or because we've never flown out of this airport, who knows what's extra, you know? Right. It so we go like, through we go, we go through normal TSA. The only slight difference is that uh, there's a TSA dog walking around sniffing everybody like 11 times to make right. sure that... I don't know what they're checking for because weed Bomb is allowed. Bomb residue or something? No, it might be weed because it's legal there, but it's not legal other places. Not I in the federal know. government, yeah. Because TSA yeah, is federal, know. right? They're federal, but they're not arrest. I mean, are they arresting people? I, I, because I, I, they I'd have, be surprised. I think some banks don't deal with the weed things in the States because the federal sure. government's going to harass them. So I'm yeah, sure that, whatever. But it's probably like, you know, either like... It, bombs and knows? stuff. Yeah. yeah. Although you should probably wash your you know, sing happy birthday if you're... Right. Constructing a bomber. I don't know if it would get Anyway, rid of the there was a dog. There was a dog. Dog was fine. We didn't indicate on anything, so it didn't try to eat my leg, which was nice. We uh, get through regular TSA and we go down to our gate. And it's a very narrow little hallway, so we're like, well, we're not going to hang out here. So we'll just go back to the main area and wait until it's time. We walk back down there, and it turns out that TSA is back. And they've set up another TSA checkpoint to get onto this plane, which, which usually at the at the gate, all you have to do is have your boarding pass scanned by the person who works for the airline, right. and then you walk right on, right? Because you've already done all the rigmarole there through the security. There was a second TSA checkpoint? Yes, yes. And I was convinced we were going to die. I was fully convinced I was never going to see my children again. Wow. And that they would be with Pops and he would find out the plane blew up, and Which he is, would have to figure out how to tell them. I don't them. want to, uh, you know, deny your feelings or whatever, but it should have been reassuring, not right. that we're gonna die, right? <laughs> because if no, because they fucking know something, and they're well, not telling me. They're not me. gonna let the plane take off if they really know something, right? They can only do so much. <laughs> 
checking they can, my laptop. Not, they took my laptop. If they, there took is a, a, they took a thing and rubbed it and then put it in a machine. <laughs> What's that going to do? Did, did they they're just testing pick you to guys? See if you have... Did they pick you, or does everyone have to go through this the second time, it was, too? It was random, because Bob had a laptop, and they didn't check his. What if he was the fucking I white know. male that's going to explode the airplane? So it was like everybody had to show their ID and their boarding pass again, and then every other person or so had to go, like, randomly. Yeah. Had to Seemingly go through. Seemingly randomly. Had to go through a, sec- a full secondary screening, including, like, unpacking your bag and showing your laptop to the guy and that sort of stuff. I'm surprised that they didn't stumble into like one of these like pre-cleared like I'm a fancy fart. How dare you? Well, not- right. Maybe well, nobody they did, was nobody but we're was happy. Not that, right. So. Nope. <laughs> nobody was happy about it, but whatever. So we get on the plane. It's not much of a delay. We take off on time and everything. Like it's yeah. no big deal. But as we're flying, have you ever flown into Reagan? I have. Yes. It's the best. It's the best possible airport because you get the whole scene of DC. Right. You fly if you fly into yeah, Reagan nice. approaching from the correct side, then you fly past the CIA, you fly past the Pentagon, you fly past That is right. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Jefferson and it's the amazing. entire the entire mall. Uh you you fly past all of the good sites basically of of Washington DC. My DC. mom's condo. Oh, you yep, can see. Can't miss that. <laughs> yeah. And so the flight attendant is a got a personality. Some of yeah. them do. It's right. fine. Well, mostly it's fine. <laughs> and he comes on and he's telling us about all the different things that we can see if we look at our window at the right moment in these in the final approach. And it actually, I must say, felt weirdly good. Yeah. Uh, in a they used to do that a lot right, more. In a vaguely even patriotic sort, of, like like. Far be it from me to claim any sort of feelings of, of national unity or patriotism, but in a sort of pleasant communal experience, not fraught with anything, right? right. So he's ve- he was very good at simply <laughs> just the facts, just, man, yeah. right? Saying what just, he sees. Just here are some buildings that we can see, and which is a for whatever reason, in this day and age, is actually a very difficult trick to pull off, right. is to talk about, to acknowledge the existence of American institutions without coming down on one side or the other of them in, a, in an obnoxious sort of way. I suspect right? it's easier in like real life than it is on the internet that's distorting things. Yeah. Fair. But what it engendered in me was a feeling of like pleasant communalism that right. I do not often get or ever really expect to get when out in public. That's, I guess well, that probably started, says a lot more about me than, <laughs> than anybody else. Was this like a no, full... Yeah, totally full. Yeah, full flight. Like any booked. awkwardness like the aisle guy? Like, come on, I want to see too. Like any no, sort of... No, I don't think so. Okay. Everybody was but cool. it was interesting because flying home on a Sunday... Well, not flying, but flying on a Sunday morning, usually that's people going home. Yeah. So I thought it was a little weird... That we didn't get it on our way out on Thursday. Like, w- most of the people on that plane have seen those views before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, there's a lot it, of connections, it, too. Is people it fly. Each- Easier sure. to do that it's on the just, way down, though. Like, cause, I mean, if you're leaving, it's, yeah, it's way, it's way easier on the way down. Not a lot of chit chat on the way up, right? It's like everybody sit down and it let's was, take off. It was great. It was but, great. But what he also, so what he sneaks in when he's talking about. Because he said first, you can see the CIA. If you work there, don't tell me. Like, it's cute. And then he says, 
when we pass the Capitol, he says, and there's the United States Capitol building. Uh, some of you might even work there. And so then we start putting two and two together. Like, we... Lori, to be fair, starts putting two and two together. Because the whole time I was like, what the fuck was that security? Right. Like, I, did like, okay, not, so I did not have my security. brain turn off. We have heightened security, and now we have a flight attendant making a sort of rough allusion to the fact that somebody on the plane might actually work at the U.S. Capitol building. Right. It's like, oh, well, maybe there's a VIP up in first class that we just didn't notice on our way in because everybody's wearing masks anyway. So it's hard to hard right. to tell what's going on. So I'm getting off the plane. We were in the very back of the plane, and everybody is lined up. Everybody who'd already gotten off the plane before us who had checked a bag at the gate because so many people have to check bags at the gate now. Which yeah. – don't get me started. Which right. we, I think we talked about in a previous uh, We must episode. have. Right. So all these people did gate check for a lot of their bags, so they have to line up afterwards in sort of reverse order and okay. wait for their bag to come out to collect their bag from underneath the plane. And waiting for his bag there up with uh, two or three aides is United States Senator Patrick Leahy on his way back from a weekend jaunt to Vermont for 9-11 <laughs> celebrations. Is he the senior senator? I mean, no, they're He's old, the old. United States Sen Senator Pro Tem, I believe, the, the right. President Pro Tem of the of the Senate. He's pretty old. And and you and you guys suspect that that's the reason for the second. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Hundred percent, the reason. Because for I was, the... there's probably because it was TSA. It wasn't like private security. Right. So I imagine that TSA has certain people right. in certain strata where, like, if they're on the flight, they do this. Right. Which. They could have just fucking told me. Like, I could have had a normal heart rate the whole flight. Not normal. I they, hate flying. They cannot tell a plane I full know. of 80-something Vermonters that their octogenarian senator is sitting no in first cares. class. And a lot of people are walking. You know, I mean, he probably was sitting there the whole time, you know, at the, at the top, and people are just kind what, of filing what, in. What I know about Leahy is he was asleep for the entire time, <laughs> and somebody poked him and got him to stand up uh, after they landed. But anyway, that was it. Was it was cool? It was interesting yeah. to see what needs to be done in order to make sure that nothing bad happens to Patrick Leahy right. when he flies from Vermont back to DC. Also, uh, a great relief to me personally because I had long assumed that I, if I'm going to be on some lists <laughs> somewhere in the great databases of the CIA and the NSA, that surely I would be one way or another. Dispermitted from flying with uh, United States senators <laughs> they uh, through our American airs, but that, apparently it's yeah. totally fine. They're like, oh, it's just Leahy. It doesn't matter. Just fucking. Right. It's, it's really actually quite shameful because I've surely I've said some things that that have landed me on some lists at some right. point in my last uh, now multiple decades of speaking horrible things publicly into microphones. Right. But that's me uh, self-aggrandizing once again. I'm sure. But yeah, fun trip. So, Abe. Yes. I want to put you in our shoes here right. for a second. I want you to imagine that you've gone on a trip to another state. Let's call it Vermont. Why not? Uh, you're the only black person there. <laughs> that's, that's beside the point. Right. Um, <laughs> you go on a trip to Vermont, and uh, you go to a wedding, and you know... 
uh, maybe 15 or 20 percent of the people at the wedding. Right. You sort of vaguely are aware of another 10 percent of the people at the wedding. But then it is safe to say that 65, 70 percent maybe of the people at the wedding, just total strangers. Right. You wouldn't know them from anyone, right? Right. Now, uh, you are flying home the day after the wedding, and you are sitting in your airplane seat, and you happen to glance ahead, and you see between the two seats in front of you someone scrolling through pictures on their phone, right? right? And you see, oddly, that there's a picture of a girl with red hair in a brown dress and this other girl who's the one scrolling through her phone, and you think, wait a second, I recognize that girl with the red hair and the brown dress because that's my cousin. So they were at the wedding, the, too. From the wedding party. Okay. The sister of the groom, right? So this girl sitting in front of us, and then she keeps scrolling, and she's like, she's got pictures of herself on the ski lift up to the top of the mountain. She's got pictures of herself with the wedding party. She's got, she was clearly at the fucking wedding with right. the dude who's sitting next to her, right? Yeah. So now we have a situation where on this whole plane, right, leaving the state of Vermont. We hung out with them. Heading back to yeah. Washington, D.C. I guess DC, it makes sense, right, yeah. We but... had just had this communal experience, the, the four of us, of having been at the exact same wedding, right? Right. And they're just sitting directly in front of us, this young couple, probably just a couple years few years younger than us right do you abe no say anything at all to the people sitting in front of you first of all okay is there a natural opportunity for dialogue or i'm just gonna awkwardly like no, you would have to admit that you were looking over not even intentionally but like no you're sitting behind no. them. Yeah, basically, yeah. So the, the thing is, like, um, my rule of thumb is don't do th anything out of your way in those kind of situations. But, like, you know, if you guys are exiting and then there's that people are just waiting to, like, deplane and then you guys make eye contact, hey, nice wedding. Like, it's, you know, something like that. But, like, I wouldn't so, do any other thing. Obviously, obviously, strong agree. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no chance but the <laughs> in hell that I'm going to tap the girl and the guy on the shoulder and be like, hey, and like hold up a picture of myself on top of the ski resort or something like that to show I was at that wedding. How, right. how fucking about that? Isn't that weird? Let's talk for 20 minutes awkwardly or whatever. Yeah. Right? Can, like, how will that, like, what's the, okay, what's the best case scenario? Like you're so, awkwardly with masks having this thing. Sure. But don't you think that puts us in the vast minority of human no, beings? No, most people would do the same because, like, th th that, that. Okay, what about what, what about if I pose this question to you? It's after Abe has had two and a half beers. Right. So that's the thing. I think setting <laughs> matters the most. I mean, setting, I was setting, at. I, was, like I mean, I didn't even Alex. know these people, but I was at a Braves game on Saturday, and just for like an hour, just we just happened to be next to each other, and I just started chatting them up, and we're all just talking for a while. Right. That's fertile ground for discussion. Planes are not that, right? So it's the I, worst place for discussion. Yeah, it's, so it's just loud. hard. And and there's a, I mean, you would have to show proof, like you're saying in that example. You would have to, ooh, look, I took a picture of the event. I'm right. telling the truth, right? Because like otherwise, like what is this person doing? And at best, it's I'm just, like, oh yeah, great, look at that. I, also, you get to know now something they don't know, which is always good. Like the right. dramatic irony right. yeah. of. Those people sat in front of people they hung out with, basically, sort of, the night before, and had no idea. And, and we'll they'll never, never know. know. Right. But I get to walk around with the secret in my back pocket <laughs> for the rest of my life. That's 
<laughs> what I'm after, I guess. I I really think that basically everyone else in my family, like all of my siblings and certainly my mother would have and my grandmother would have absolutely said something to them. No kidding. Yeah, like I don't doubt it for a second. But they don't know them like on a per- they just they're just, No, no, no. No, yeah. no, not knowing them at all. The yeah. only thing that you know about right. those people is that they were at that wedding. And I you think only that, know it because of, you don't, it's not like you re-recognized. Right, no, it's because right. I was spying on her phone yeah. from over her shoulder by accident, but then convince her that it was by accident, right? And then it gets yeah. a little bit creepy. But I, I really think that most, that most human beings would reach, across, no. literally reach across the aisle and say, hey, we were at the same thing. How about that? Isn't that funny? Like, at the very least, they would acknowledge the sort of synchronicity of the of the event, right? I'd be surprised by that. In my head, I was just thinking, like, I can think of, like, a Chris type doing that, yeah. but it wouldn't be right, my, most my, people. My brother Chris would almost, cert- yeah. like, it would be impossible right. for him not to right. say something about it. <laughs> right. right. But most people would just, you know, they meant, I mean, first of all, you'd have to be even aware that it was happening, but let's, let's say that that was the scenario. I think no. It's just not like a, it just wouldn't work. So if it doesn't work there, then... With my two and a half beers analogy, if yeah. you're at the airport yes, bar, then yes, even, not even the bar, like sitting across, you know, like they have all these seats next to the the gate, right? And you're just fumbling so with sitting, your phone, sitting or at the gate, not even at the bar, right? It's like the then you're more likely to say something, like the White Lotus, the, the opening scene where hey, we're staying at the same resort, and right, like that, yeah, you would you would strike a conversation there because you have an opportunity to talk. So, like I said, anywhere where you can talk instead of just saying, hey, remember yesterday when we were hanging out? Like, right, I still, I still wouldn't have done it. No. There's, there's, basically, <laughs> there's basically no scenario in which I surreptitiously find out that the person near me was at that wedding last night and I am the one to bring it up. Right. And, in fact, I'm more likely to, like, deny them, like, like Peter denying Jesus three times. That if they had done it in reverse, where they saw me scrolling through my phone, right. and like, hey, we were at the same wedding last night. I'd be like, nope, I think you have me. Conf- you must have me confused with someone else. I just have one of those faces. It's a whole you know, doughy white guy thing. I get this all the time. Please leave me alone. Did you actually know that guy at that wedding that said he looked, that said you looked familiar? No, I certainly did not. I don't believe you. I get this all the time. Whenever I'm out in public with yeah, my face exposed. Yeah, now I know that you just say that all the time. People are convinced that they've seen me he before. Wasn't or convinced. they know me. He was just saying Very you familiar, familiar face. And he knew that you weren't a person he knew. And he was apologizing for staring at you all night. I just have a very... Like I said, a lot of LGBTQ representation. I Do you ever just very... fuck with people, Bob? Like, oh yeah, I was in the James Bond franchise. I was the last Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeremy Renner, actually. That's, you must know me from the Avengers. But like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Let's take a picture. Anyway, that was our weekend. I mean, there's a lot more, but nobody else wants to, you don't want to hear about all the rest of that. All right. What happened this week, Abe, besides 9-11? Or do you want to talk about 9-11? Anything uh, um, in the coverage that bothered no, although you? Although I will say, I, I, I get the rallying cry of never forget, but it's kind of hard to forget. Like other things are maybe like, hey, keep an eye on this because of whatever. But like, not, if you live through 9/11, there's no scenario where you'll just forget it one day. 
right? I, I don't know if they just meant that for future generations to keep on telling them how bad it was, but I, I suspect that that's naturally going to happen. So I never understood that part. But so at the, the top of the uh, episode in the opening, uh, you were talking about all of the you know shenanigans that has happened since 9/11, and. I was asking some of my friends from like the other podcast and the Indian sort, basically uh, two questions. One, in retrospect. By the way, the, yeah. uh, don't sell yourself short here, Abe. We're nothing if not salesmen of the highest order. <laughs> that's, that's the the baffler, the uh, <laughs> shit. Baffler? The, the uh, biffer. Muffler? <laughs> not the, the buffer. buffer? The like muffer that. pod, the which muffler. is mostly about eating Muffs. pussy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if the sports uh, angle doesn't work, maybe we'll transition to that. Anyways, so the question was, and I, I think uh, you won't be surprised by the answers, but the two questions I asked was, in retrospect, over 20 years, do you consider TSA as much of a hassle as it is a success or just security theater? What do you, because uh, most people thought, they answered in the former to say that it was, a, you know, nothing has happened since 9-11. And so as much of a hassle as it was, it must be some sort of deterrent. When I hear the fucking neocons right. say, how can you call it anything but a success because there was not another successful mass-scale terrorist attack on the United States since 9-11, I don't know why they're allowed— like why they're allowed to continue opening their mouths in public <laughs> yeah. when that's the, the, right. the whole crux of the argument is just that, well, we made it 20 fucking years right. without another 9-11 happening. Right. So I guess everything that we've done in the interim was for the best. Right. It doesn't make sense if you look at it that way, because I mean, first of all, 9-11 was a very rare event. <laughs> it didn't happen before. It hasn't happened since. It, was, it wasn't going to happen like every other week anyways, but they can always fall back to that. The other question was, I guess, maybe a little more egregious based on how you responded to the first question. But I asked, remember when the Patriot Act was passed, there was a lot of belly aching about, oh, boy, how wrong it is and this and that. And uh, my Civil question, liberties, this, <laughs> yeah. torture, that, and I was like, surveillance, state, then. So I was like, is this still a big deal or was it much ado about nothing? And guess what? Most said... I wasn't, uh, you know, picked up by some van, right? Everything was on the up and up. Oh, man. I didn't do Is anything wrong. Is this episode wrong. out yet? How no, did I, I not it, listen it to this so that I could scream out, like, at you about it? <laughs> it just came out, like, a couple hours ago. But but I think, like, generally speaking, I, I, you'd be surprised by how many people would, ag would agree with those two sentiments. Where it's like, ah, you know, nothing came of it. Like, in principle, it was bad. And the TSA, it's a, it's a nuisance, but nothing has happened since. Even though, like... I would I would say the other side is true, but like the sentiment, I think uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if they put it to a poll, like some Nate Silver thing, if it wasn't like sixty five percent saying yeah, you know the Patriot Act wasn't anything, and the TSA it's a hassle. On the first question, it's like screamingly obvious to me that TSA has largely been a complete waste. It's such right. bullshit. That if if the only thing that they did as a reaction to 9/11 was to seal the cockpit and right i guess use those enhanced screening devices that that do the whirly thing and show the picture instead of just the 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 metal detector right that came so much later but even that came yeah like a decade later yeah, or something like, like so that so much later 
if the only meaningful change that they made was let's be more careful about weapons, right? Because they're very bad at get at, at allowing just guns through. Even right. today, right? They're, yeah. they're still pretty bad <laughs> at allowing actual. Uh, I have to check my scissors, though. Right, right. you got to check your scissors, and you got to make sure that. Nope. You don't have no more, more than, than three, three ounces, ounces of shampoo. They are surprisingly good at that, like the 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 liquid yeah. stuff. But and I will tell guns. you, I've gotten pulled aside for extra screening more holding a baby than I have not holding a baby really? because they know that I probably won't click any of the boxes. So it's like less paperwork. Like we did our random oh, check I for see. the gunpowder okay. residue. Okay. Like you're opposite. Right. This is opposite. Yeah. There's no profile that has <laughs> no. somebody with a baby. Julia's but. gotten mace on an airplane more than once. Mace? Because it's disguised. And every time she's like, oh, they're going to make me throw it away. But they don't catch it because what? it doesn't look like mace. Okay. It's like, wow. Okay. Fine. Right. So they're very they're bad. Useless. They're very bad at doing what it is they purport to do. Do you not think that to some people it inspires confidence, like unfounded confidence that they're doing something? Because I, I don't know if a lot of people look at those stories because you're right. Every few years it's like, oh, we did a test and like 90% of the guns, yeah. you know, escaped oh, their Oh, you know notice. where I feel really unsafe? In an airport before you go through security. Yeah, yeah. That's like the worst place. Like, oh, probably going to die here. <laughs> right, but you have that feeling, but how often in this country does it happen that what happened in Afghanistan two weeks ago happens here? Like, right. it's, just, it just, it's an unthinkable event right. that some maniac is going to drive a truck bomb up to the outer concourse of an airport uh, and blow it up, right? Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's all unthinkable until it actually happens. But, but yeah, my response to the first part of your question is TSA theater has been precisely that. And you put my mind at ease the moment that you sealed the cockpit and didn't allow anybody in or out of the cockpit once the the plane leaves the gate right yeah and then beyond that yeah put a put a marshal on every other plane if you have the resources to do that you know put a, put a marshal on any any time you get a hint of any activity then make sure that there's there's a cop on the plane right and beyond that i don't know what we've accomplished with it and yeah, maybe I'll look up a couple of those studies and, and stick them in the show notes as as links so that people can see how bad the TSA actually is at doing the thing that they purport to do. On the other thing, I, I mean, it will not come as any surprise to you that I don't think that the overreaches of the United States intelligence apparatus against American citizens has been a net positive. Right. Uh, no, no, I don't think that. Right. But I think uh, the, the, the calculation for... A lot of people, it's always like, it hasn't impacted me, so it's not that big of a deal kind of thing, which is the extent of uh, right. how much thought is put into these kind of things. And I don't want to put too fine a point on the largely metaphorical points that I was making in the opening there, but we have done so much harm in the last 20 years in our response to what can only be ca called an unspeakable tragedy that that was 9/11 and no matter what you say about uh the dominoes that may have fallen before September 11th 2001 that that precipitated that event i just have so much trouble seeing our response to that act as having been in any way capital g good 
Right. Uh, there are any number of different ways that we could have gone, and the way that we went, I don't, I don't think can be understood to be good. But I do think, because um, the, the one thing that I thought uh, about 9-11 is that uh, there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, no, never forget, and uh, how unified everybody was, at least for a little while afterwards, and things like that. But there was also, there's this, like, bloodlust, like, somebody's got to pay, like, Right, so like there was, uh, and a lot of the actions that came after that, at least for the first few months, I'm not talking about Iraq, but just Afghanistan and just like the months that followed the the 9/11 attacks. It was like somebody's got to die. Like we can't just be like this. Can't be like a law enforcement like you know we'll seek you out and put you in, in you know on trial. Like somebody has to like die. And so like when the Iraq war started a few weeks later. It had a lot broad support. They're like, yeah, do that. And even some of the early like Gitmo stuff was like, ah, do that. I don't uh, like. And so like, I, I, I don't I, like. I don't like to get into the hypocrisy stuff. But like, if if that's the if that's the case, right? That we just accept that the response has to be somebody has to die. Then I don't want to hear ever again about the Christian nation stuff, right. right? And I especially don't want to hear it from the people most likely to deploy it, which are people who supported American intervention abroad following 9-11, right? right? And, and I should not be explaining Christian theology to these people, but have they never, do, do they not understand the whole point of the New Testament, right? Do they, do no, they, they don't. Do no. they just completely miss that Jesus said, turn the other cheek. No, that that is what a righteous and just response is to violence. That the very text of their documents that they believe sincerely to be the recorded will and word of God tells them that the response is to stand up and by example show how to be peaceful and show what love is and show how to live in a world in a nonviolent, non-confrontational way that brings people together and b- brings people in, right? That's their fucking book. That's, that's the, right, the but- code that they're supposed to be living by. And you know what? I actually agree right. that, it w- that it would be way, way better if our response to the events of 9-11 had been, that's you, what happened here? Right. That's not us, right? We are something different. We are something better, and we will not be reduced to the monsters that you imagine us to be and to the monsters that you have revealed yourself to be. And we will not react in the way that you have demanded us to react. I always thought that uh, I'm not a Christian of any sort, uh, but that people aspire to the New Testament stuff, but they're more Old Testament in their disposition. And also the turning the other cheek, I think, plays a secondary role to unchecked aggression begets more aggression. So a lot of people will think if we turn the other cheek or don't do anything, it's going to invite more of this. So we need to like come over the top, if you will, to where like, oh, Let's not fuck with those people again. It would just it's not worth the How small the, are we no, that but, we cannot in that we cannot endure a once in a gener a, a, a way less than once in a generation attack of that magnitude, right? right? How 
how weak do we reveal ourselves to be? How insecure and pathetic are we that we cannot take a punch without throwing it all away right, for right. the last 20 years? But, but it, I, that's why I always think like the never forget part would be important. Like don't forget that when something like that happens, how you feel, and it's not always productive to act on those feelings because you're going to feel a certain way and it's, you know, natural, I guess, or human. Anyways, it's, it's a human thing to, 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 to react like, oh, how dare you and da 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 But it's like, I think if people just like, this is how I would normally react, but let me kind of think it through and let's see what would be a more constructive way to go about it. But I don't think most people, if this were to happen, let, let's not say now, but like a few years down the road, maybe not exactly like a plane thing, but something like catastrophic from some yahoos somewhere, people would react in very much the same way, right? Because they're going to be emotionally like, Holy fucking shit! And we so people will do the same thing. I mean, it kind of happened on January six in a much less awful way. Right, but it was like but a, yeah, it was still an event that everyone was kind of traumatized from for a minute. Right, like I, I think it didn't. It, it didn't was turn a much out yeah, it's a, it's a much same. smaller scale, but it was also like amongst each other. It's just Americans on Americans. When it's like others, like over there, people like fuck them, just bomb like. We'll worry about the other stuff later. And I think it's important to recognize that that's how people behave in a group thing. So just anticipate that so that in the – hopefully it never happens again. But if something similar happened in the future, be mindful that the environment will be – How can you – like how can you even say the words hopefully it never happens again when our actions – and, and the way that we're leaving Afghanistan, the way that we were in Afghanistan, has all but guaranteed that it will happen again. Well, right? I, like, I, I still I, go back to I what— mean, I hopefully, yeah, for sure, it never happens again. But we have done nothing to manifest the reality of it never happening again. I mean, in fact, we've done the opposite. Hopefully the intelligence will be better is all you can do. The intelligence is so good that as we discussed last week or the week before— Yeah, they fucked that up that, again. The car bomb yeah. that they were going to, that they believed they were exploding, seems now to, it has been revealed, to have been some sort of aid worker who was running around town doing errands all day. Right. And he is killed in addition to seven children under the age, like 12 right. or younger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like all the, the, the new reporting has been trending towards that. Like initially it was like, well, maybe it was collateral damage, but no, the actual people that they were kind of monitoring they had like gallons of water or whatever maybe they thought it was like i don't know fuel for some sort of weapon but like it seems like they got the intel wrong again it's maybe and rained hell and destruction from a drone in the sky right they didn't send a they didn't send a law enforcement or a, or a tactical military crew out to investigate and deal with the situation right they just took a drone and dropped a 25 uh, pound bomb or shot a 20 uh, missile with a 25 pound ordinance on the end of it into a neighborhood and killed 10 people who had nothing to do with anything as it relates to right. which, uh, putting which, americans in danger which kind of models the experience before where a terrible thing happened and then there's like a pound of flesh is needed, you know? So like, maybe they're like, this is good enough intelligence. Maybe they just didn't care that, you know, like that's solid enough and we'll proceed instead of just saying, I know we're rattled about what just happened, but let's go through our regular process to verify instead of just like, Oh, the moment to strike is now because you know, the, the thinking was imminent danger. I think it was like overnight. They were saying 
when the first attack happened that there was going to be some something was happening. So their intelligence was good enough to say that something is happening near the airport, and then it did. And then they thought another thing was about to happen. And so they just acted on it. What happened at the airport is what happens during the normal course of a war that you have chosen to engage in. And what happened with the car that was blown up by a U.S. drone and killed seven children, 12 and under, was an unspeakable tragedy that should be prosecuted in a court of law, right? right. That's the difference between the two acts. Right. And but 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 it's not but it's not like in a vacuum though. But it was responding. That I I guess the point I'm trying to make is that be mindful of how human psychology works. Like you'll you're 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 primed to do something when something bad happens, and you'll you're you're gonna make mistakes, or not even mistakes, but you're gonna be like fuck it. You're gonna be inclined to take more risk in response, basically to say to to kind of avenge what happened before. So just the same thing happens when they like arrest people all of a sudden you know, it's yeah. like, oh, it was that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We him. decided it's that guy. Right, right. He's like, no, I wasn't there. It's like I somebody did it. State. Why not? Like, him. Nope. Right. That was you. Right. That was you. But we're supposed we're supposed to be the country I mean and it sounds it, it's pure bullshit pouring out of my mouth right now, right? But we're supposed to be the country that bears the cost of freedom right that bear, we're supposed to be the ones that bear the terrible cost of living in a free society of living in a world of free speech and free movement and it inevitably has awful negative consequences right that so so that when a police officer is walking down the street He's supposed to be there to protect and serve. He is supposed to be the one who endures the cost of that danger. He's not supposed to be the one who's bringing the danger out with him right. to the neighborhood, right? And so when you talk about the bravest among us, you talk about people who go into situations that are dangerous, and we're supposed to accept that cost, right? The police officer must accept the cost of his life. In theory, that, yeah. That, that, that's, what the sac that's what the sacrifice is. That's what it means for, sac to, for something to be sacrificial, right? I, it, was, it does not right. mean that you get to then turn around and blow up a family of children because your soldiers died. In the in a in a theater of war, right? Right. It's just it's not the same thing. I, again, I, I I think you're right, but a lot of those things people should aspire to those things. But most people do not. People are not pricing in as of a, a cost of doing business these risks. They're like, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to die. Like, fuck that. Like, even though, like, in theory, it's like, yeah, you're right. Occasionally, something bad will happen, and we should just be like, ho hum. Like, maybe if we're robots, but we're not that. I just don't think it's there's going to be You're any right. time. We're not that. We're supposed to have institutions that behave right. as that. But those right? institutions we're are responsive to us, We're not supposed to, to us, be though. the country right. that allows the horror of the mob to take over the moment and do the violent thing. The whole point of this, if, you, if, if, if the institutions can't even manage to prevent the mob mentality right. from overtaking the idiots in charge, then what is the point of the institutions? The institutions are basically what like is, shock absorbers, right? What is absorbers, the virtue of right? the institutions? Right, right. They, they're, they're shock absorbers, but eventually, you know, eventually you have to be responsive to that mob, right? If a, a George Bush or any president in the immediate aftermath of 9-11 just sat on his hands and said, we're going to do a deliberate looking into, we'll get to the bottom of, have a good day, he wouldn't have lasted. So, but the, what, you're, what you're telling me is that 
leadership in the face of calamity is actually impossible. That right. that true good leadership no matter no matter the institutional framework that you build you have we have this whole this constitutional framework and a and a rule of law system and we're supposed to have politicians who cool the instincts of the masses right, right. it's it's it, that that uh, you you allow the mob to have its thing but then and for what it's worth there are aspects of this, of this that still work right it is incredible that within 2 weeks of what happened in afghanistan that the two major american national newspapers the new york times and and washington post both have lengthy exposés of the disaster that happened because of an American mistake, right. right? Like that's not the sort of thing that happens in a lot of other countries, right? right? right. So, so for all of the awfulness, at least we still have some of that. Yeah, at least right? we don't have someone busting in here right now. We still get to <laughs> fi- We still you. find out about it right. later, and it's still relatively fine to talk about. But to your uh, leadership, uh, I think I think restraint in the face of of tragedy is almost impossible, right? To say like we're not gonna react. We're going to take our time. Maybe something will come of it, but go about your day. Basically, it's like it seems like it's like this energy that needs to be channeled into something, and instead of something constructive, it's something destructive. But it, the, that negative energy is there, and they have to channel it somewhere, or else it'll turn on them. And people say, "Fuck this guy; he's weak." And some other asshole will come and say, "I'm strong." And I know it's it's hard for me to remember the bloodlust of the moment, right? And, I, and I, that was the one thing I remember more than a lot of this unity stuff is whatever. I remember like holy shit, like it was a very like it was a almost palpable like it's like there, some things to happen because I remember even though like looking back at it, it was only like three weeks from nine eleven that we started attacking Afghanistan. Yeah, it felt it was, like a while. I was like what the hell is going on? No, how that, come that, someone that, isn't that, dead yet? But I do remember that. It's hard for me to remember the bloodlust of it, and I, I recognize that. But if we waited three weeks, could we not have waited another three weeks? And could the conversation not have been turned in such a way that it wasn't about – I mean, and it's all hypothetical nonsense, right? Because George W. Bush was the president, and Dick Cheney was the vice president, and Don Rumsfeld was the secretary of defense, and they were going to go to war, right? right? So, so, so it's all Monday morning quarterbacking of a situation that is – there is no counterfactual right. uh, where you can imagine what I want to have happened actually happening. And I, I, that, that's fine. But I can, in fact, imagine a response that doesn't involve 20 years of a war on terrorism that results in the disaster that, that has become American foreign policy. And I think that you can draw a perfectly clear line from all of the 9-11 stuff on through to all of the Trump stuff, the Trumpening, and and like we can talk all we want about how it's the it's social media and it's it's this and it's that, but in terms of big tides of cultural feeling, I think it makes way more sense to think of 9/11 as and and the consequences of 9/11 and what's followed as being far more consequential than oh, yeah. any of the other relatively small cultural things. Oh yeah, definitely in in shaping the world today, and I'm. I don't know how we sort of come back from from where we find ourselves right now. I mean, do you remember uh, what I asked you when it was March of 2020? No. I said, will this be bigger than 9-11 culturally? Like the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't expect an answer. We'll know later. But like, 
It will be the next marker in the when they write the history of the. Because you very quickly were like, oh, it's nine eleven, way bigger. But like, I mean, this is turned into. It's global and it's longer. Yes. And also, again, with the, like, who's at fault, you know, like, initially they were trying to make it into, like, a intentional leak. Or, basically, I think people need a target. And so, like, with this one, if it eventually settles into, we don't know exactly what happened, but it's likely just, like, Oh, people na- don't like, I don't or, know what happened. Yeah. So, but, but if there's some, like, if there's some a target, then let's do something. Like, that that impulse is always there. I always just think people just should be, should be mindful of that. Anytime something weird happens, people are like, let's do something even if it's dumb, let's do something before cooler heads prevail. Let's yep. just do it, you know. And so just like just right. don't. And I don't like. I, I certainly don't think that the reaction of a, a Gore administration to nine uh, eleven would have been less militaristic. I would guess that there would be less of a appetite for regime change in other places. Yeah, there wouldn't be an Iraq war, but there was. There would have been an Afghanistan war, no matter who was president. Yeah. About them dogs. Oh yeah. yeah. That was not a very uh, entertaining game. No, we didn't watch. Yeah, I just caught the, the highlights. All right, so are we done with the 9-11 stuff? Can I talk about my yeah. USAA? All right, so I was watching some football this weekend. Not fun. The Colts lost, poor, and they had a poor showing. Anyways. Oh, man, real quick, before you get into your thing here, the Colts, terrible. Terrible. Right? Oh, my God. The, the, Packers, the Giants. Giants. The Giants. <laughs> Fucking stink. <laughs> They're just wretched. Losing to a... I don't even remember what the bad team was that they lost to. Denver, maybe? Denver. Yeah. Who doesn't, like, I thought the Giants at least were supposed to have a quarterback. Right. But and, and, apparently, it's the Denver team who doesn't have a quarterback who has the quarterback. <laughs> uh, and the Falcons. The Falcons shit, yeah. just absolutely get hammered this weekend. Did uh, anybody win this weekend? It the, sounds like everybody lost. Everybody the, lost. The, the Chiefs and, and the Packers won. won. Yeah, the Chiefs were losing for a while, and they and that was like the only interesting game. But the, there was a lot oh. of bad games, uh, including the Packers. Actually, I watched a shitty Colts game here, and then I was like, "Oh, that sucked." And then I drove to my friend's place, and they're all Packers fans, and we watched that game. I was like, "Oh, this sucks." And then it was so lopsided that we fought, we watched like the last five minutes or ten minutes of the fourth quarter of the of the chiefs Browns games like, Oh, now this is a game. This is a, right. like it doesn't matter how far back the chiefs are. They're going to find a way to just throw the so ball. What happened with your commercial? And then they did. That and was a did. terrific <laughs> end to that. I didn't, we didn't watch any football cause we were traveling all day, Yeah. but we got home and turned on the chiefs Browns game. And it was a absolutely thrilling, uh, last 10 minutes of that game. I was unpacking. Oh, well, on like throughout the weekend, uh, they were showing, especially on Sunday, they have this um, USAA ad. So the USAA bank, they're kind of like geared towards military families and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Ten years ago, after the recession, I guess they were hurting for customers. And so they opened it up to the yeah. general population. I signed up ten years ago. I've been using their product for ten years. And lately they have taken a more exclusion. You know, I think they, they, they changed their policies and they went back to how it used to be, which is fine. But now they actually have commercials, and they're touting the fact that this is limited to military people and their families. Right. There was a Gronk commercial where he's like, I'm Gronk. You know, my number is 87. And they're like, oh, we can't give it to you because you're not in the military. So they're basically making this a feature of their thing. Over the last month or so, I've been feeling like self-conscious about using my USAA card because at least on two <laughs> occasions – 
the bar. Thank you for your service. The bartender would do the uh, like this knowing look, and I don't want to get into a position like no, I didn't, none of that. You know, you could so you should you should say Afghanistan, third no, infantry. No, no, no. If you so like if your dad or spouse yeah. was in the military, yeah. you could also. Right. How did you? But I have to create so the just, uh, the, just pretend. In I missed those the part. Moments. So you got it in a in a in the window where He's it was available for everyone. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, after, I guess they needed customers back in uh, in yeah. the 2010. I, play, I don't think I've seen the commercial. Yeah. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna play the commercial right. now. Hey USAA, it's Gronk again, and I'm here with my man Frank. Frank, say hi. Hi. Frank was in the army, and he's been enjoying that award-winning USAA service for like ten years. Anyway, he's in. And Frank, don't you love me, man? Sure, Gronk. And don't you think I deserve a USAA membership? Did you serve? Are your parents members? Nope. Then no. I love that it's for the military community. Frank, that's not the line. USAA. It's still only for the military community. First of all, all right. I want to. Uh, it's not true. What does it mean? It, I I am a customer of you. Yeah. How dare you? You're grandfathered in. He should have been. He should have been more aware during the period you signed up. His loss. Don't feel self conscious. Right. But I, I I literally have to stop any any people facing thing. I will use it like at the ATM and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've stopped using it. Uh, I mean, I cut my That's check funny. for the apartment complex, but they don't seem to care. But yeah. any other more bar stuff, I don't want to have a, like, oh, this is stolen yeah. valor. Like, hey, get this <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not misrepresenting myself. They're fucking lying. It's, there are more people, like, I mean, not more, but there's. I'm not the only one that took advantage of whatever offer yeah. was available. Gronk is deeply not good at, at, at no, that thing that he Tom was doing. Why is Tom Brady doing subway commercials? Yeah, really, why? That's, yeah, I guess they paid him money, but you're right. I, I don't believe that he eats subway. I think they, he they even, doesn't need money. I think they actually worked that into one of the commercials. We're like, you don't even eat this stuff. It's just a commercial, man, and it ends. Like, right. it's just. I think they, they're like. I guess just wanting the money. But he's also not a very good actor. Right. Like yeah. Brady why? doesn't like. I know that you hate Peyton Manning, but surely even you must no, recognize. No, not that, even me. That, You'd be wrong. No, no, that, no. That, Abe, Abe's. It's a love to hate, and you can tell. Look at him smile. That Brady <laughs> has none of the appeal or charm of a Peyton oh, Manning. Eli Manning. For Basically, example. almost. It's he's so good. Yeah, that could, that sort of strikes at a, a broader conversation about these fucking. People with the untold sums of money going on to humiliate themselves for like paltry Just more, a little more sums money. Yeah. of money. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, how much? I don't know because I don't know if they make this public or not. Drew Brees earned a quarter of a billion dollars in salary as an NFL quarterback, right? Yeah. The Saints and whoever the hell else, the Chargers, I guess. And yeah, they cut him checks. Totaling more than two hundred and fifty million dollars yeah, yeah. o- over the course of the last like eighteen years or or whatever his career went, and now he's going on television every week yes. in NB- at NBC to just sound like a dummy right. I, for like nine minutes of screen time I, every single. I do week. wonder on that, like, because I always wonder. It, 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 making money must be like an insatiable appetite kind of thing. Because to me, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. You have all the money in the world. Why do you need a little bit more money? On the let me try the TV analyst side, I do wonder if it's money or if they need like 
a, a identity or purpose or something to do, some sort of structure. Because what are they going to? I mean, they're they're old in football years, but they're really young in regular years. They're like forty years right. old. Yeah. What are you going to do? Just sit on your hands the rest of your life? No, like I. So like Tony Romo also made a fuck ton of money, but also he has he clearly gets joy and right. is largely not embarrassing himself. Right. Yeah, he's good at being a guy in doing the the week to week thing, but like. The only thing I can think is that, like, Drew Brees has a couple of different agents breathing down his neck all the time about, like, maintaining the personal brand identity yeah. and making sure that he keeps himself in the public eye. And, like, that that can't that, that must be the only thing. Like, he thinks that it's going to do good for the Drew Brees Foundation to help cancer kids or whatever the hell it is that his charities do, right? He thinks that just by continuing to right. put himself out there, he'll continue to, to reap profile. the rewards of celebrity. I, I don't know if they've done, like, a worst of, but, like— as far as former players turned into either analysts or color commentators, I, I, like I think the who was it? Uh, Emmett Smith comes to like there. There had been like atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not. You're very good at the football side, but you are terrible at this. I think like even that uh, Jason Witten Matt, guy, uh, Maddie Maddie Ice. Been, yeah, I'm sure. Anybody have a shirt? Yeah, he would not do well. But there's so, there are so many for like every like. Tony Romo or Charles Barkley, there's like most of them are terrible at just shooting the shit or doing whatever. So like for yeah. most of them, it just won't work. Um, and Gronk is not very good either. Right. Why is Serena Williams doing commercials? Right. right. Like she just has she has all the money. Like I just I just legitimately do not understand it beyond I guess what I said earlier about like just making sure that you maintain the brand. And they make uh. people seem. I guess there's always another yacht you can buy. I don't. It, it's got to be like. Oh my God! I have all the money that I could want, but then you're hanging around people who have even more money, and so you're like, "All right, I'll." Because I just don't understand it beyond just you're secure. You have like five generations worth of people in your family secure. Like, why are you doing this commercial? There's something wrong with them, is why. I actually want to talk about another commercial, and it's probably one that you've seen. It's been out for. A few months. Nike has a new oh slogan. Just do it again? And, no. And there's been a few of them, and I don't know necessarily which one this is, but I imagine I will find it eventually, but let's watch this one. This is tomorrow. Tomorrow, very early, someone will go on her first ever run. Right after, Shelly Ann will run the 100 in under 10 seconds. <laughs> By lunchtime, a shoe will grow from a seed. The WNBA will surpass the NBA in popularity. This tennis legend will launch her own video game. Also, tomorrow, we will all finally respect athletes' mental health. A woman will run a marathon on Mars. Tomorrow, we will celebrate new champions. And one sport is declared a human right. Tomorrow will go really crazy. Marie Antoinette will score seven in seven minutes. Sky will land a 16-20. LeBron will score 120. And I don't know what this is, but it looks amazing. Of course, the internet will break. Well done, tomorrow. Can't wait to see what's next. Anyway, so there's a Nike fucking commercial. And it's they, they have a new slogan. It's it's play new, right? As, as you well know, no doubt, for our entire lives, basically, the slogan for... For Nike has been what, Abe? Just do it. That's right. It is almost synonymous with the with the brand, with the swoosh, with the with the word Nike. You think just do it. 
Did they and also try some things during the Cap years, uh, Kaepernick years, of like even if it give up everything or the, there was some added like uh, tag, but it didn't right. last very they long. Right, this is not their first foray into messing with the with the brand, and that's fine. They can, I don't care what they do with their brand, but it's interesting to me that in this moment of because the. the and I, w- I wonder if you're see- if you would see the same sort of thing that I see here, okay. which is that when I look at the Play New commercial where they talk about Naomi Osaka not having to do the press conference, is is it that just do it is in complete contradiction of right. the current cultural moment <laughs> that they can't actually be the just do it company anymore? Yeah, and so they. And like their response to that is something so fundamentally stupid and and divorced from the brand that all they can come up with is play new, I would, which doesn't actually mean anything. Right. right? <laughs> which I would like to doesn't actually convey anything about like in the way that just do it does. Right. Because what would Nike of of the 80s and the 70s and the 90s say to Miss Osaka Who's pulling out of the uh, pulling out of tennis tournaments because she doesn't want to? She's afraid of the press conference questions and what it might do to her mental health. Nike would say, "Just do right. it, right? right?" They would say, "Get your ass out there, pick up the racket, put it all behind you, and give it your all." Also, tomorrow we will all finally respect athletes' mental health. This new thing is certainly not that. But I mean, they, they could just sidestep the the mental health stuff and still do the just do it within the context of the actual sporting event. You know, she's still, I mean, earlier in the year she was playing and she'll be playing again at some point. They don't need to address this. But I do wonder right. what the other. Uh, I think like the just do it probably came through like a. I don't want to say an organic process, but like through, you know, like, all right, let's, we need to come up with an ad and the best idea won and there weren't any constraints to it. It just kind of fit like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's go with that. And this was a crummy tag because they were responding to something like we need to get out of that lane. And when you're thinking that way, you're not very creative. You're like, I don't know, (laughs) like speak your truth like oh get the fuck out of here that's stupid uh this we need to know. say as little as possible right. is what they're saying right with so new play tag, news probably right? it's, pro- it's like the washington football team's like uninspired just like but it's we're not saying just do it and they're thinking oh we can just like read you know i think in the other commercial they were talking about i guess they're speaking to the homophobia and the racism and all that stuff it's like it's the same sport but it's played in a new progressive way i don't know but it seems like they're trying to twist it a little bit to say it's the same but it's different or it's new or it's forward it's just it it, it's particularly rich coming from the company of just do it to say and now play new we must respect athletes (laughs) mental health and make sure that they don't feel bad about themselves when they're talking to the press you've spent the entire life of, of your company exhorting Americans and and people around the world to uh, basically man up and just fucking do it. And now your response is, oh, actually, it's okay to to care about your mental health and take a a day. I mean, not to be too cynical here, but I mean, Nike is basically just trying to like capture or exploit whatever sentiment they think like 
it's good for their brand. And so they think that this is good for their brand to be on this side of the issue. I, I think that you can still be on this side of the issue and keep the just do it. Like, it, I don't, right. it doesn't require much imagination for me to say, just do it. But a lot of those other commercials can, were, what was it, like, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight or whatever. Like, could they have said, like, you know, pout at the press conference six times and then who's answer seven? Who's the commercial yelling, I got your back at us these days? Uh, that's an NFL commercial. That sucks. It's, <laughs> it's just, it is, it's 60 Too seconds yelling. of people screaming, I got your back, you got my back, oh, back and forth. Oh, yeah, another, and, and it's and actually it's some of the actual players of the town. You got my back. I got your back. Who got my back? I got your back. Who got my back? We 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 got your back. Who got our back? We got your back. Who has my back? Stop for like 15 seconds. It. It's just not necessary. But most commercials are terrible. It's actually noteworthy whenever it's like, hmm, that actually was pretty good. Like, and and usually it's like the Super Bowl or something. Like they'll have a couple of good ones, but most of the time it's just loud and obnoxious. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Never just loud (laughs) and obnoxious. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just head over to the website uh, brainiron.com. Where I have a blog that has been in the draft folder for like 10 days now or something like that, which hopefully this week I'll get back on that horse. We had a weird week of travel last week and I didn't get to finish that one. Uh, you can also email the show brainironpodcast at gmail.com. As we've said in the past, uh, this is a show that is uh, difficult to describe to people without uh, sounding like you're describing something terrible. So I have reached out to our audience to uh, to find out how they would describe us to their friends. I've got a few more of these in the can, and I'll find one now. As you'll recall, I dumped on uh, the Thousand Man Jerry for never getting back to me after I asked him to describe the show in a couple of sentences. And before that episode even came out, he had texted me his response to how to explain the show in a couple of sentences. So I immediately uh, had to pretend that I felt bad about dumping on him during the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, this is him. Uh, three friends humorously riffing on current events, pop culture, and politics with a focus on cutting through accepted narratives and arriving at something resembling the truth. An adult discussion for people who think reality should be called as it is. I guess, he <laughs> says. God, I hate all of that. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Yeah. Very nice, Jerry. Thank Very you, Jerry. nice, as usual. Jerry's always nice. Uh, Jerry goes on to say, Incidentally, I came here to say that the pod is just getting better and better. After some re-entry turbulence, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the world was falling apart. You guys really have the right uh, flow. The conversation sounds so completely natural. No one over-talks or interrupts noticeably anymore. Everyone gives That's really editing. good contributions. <laughs> Abe is always fun. Lori always adds things that make me say, yes, and you're all right, I guess. (laughs) So thanks, Jerry. If you'd like to describe the show to us for our personal edification and glorification, you can, or or otherwise, email the show, brainironpodcast at gmail.com. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig, tetramermusic.com for that. Jerry's involved in that. 
Jerry is also involved in that as rock and roll well, we're star. On Jerry. Hey, what were you up to uh, media-wise besides the football this weekend? So I uh, went to go watch a movie, but but before I mention, uh, it's The Alpinist, and I'll have a quick comment about that. But my boy Jeffrey Tubin, yes, is all the way back. I mean, a few months ago, if you guys don't know, he jerked off on a Zoom call. Blah blah blah. He gets fired from the magazine, but CNN keeps him on. They bring him back. He's not always on CNN, but he's at least back in the fold. And last week, the American Crime Story season three, you know, started with the impeachment, and it's based on his book, just like the O.J. Simpson season. And the 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 show's not particularly good. Jonah Hill's sister plays nope. uh, Monica, and um, a lot of weird tr- uh, casting choices. But that's I think that show because like this is the same production who cast Cuba, Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr. Jr. OJ, yeah, so basically as OJ Simpson. <laughs> yeah. So let's not be too surprised. So yeah, there are a lot of choices. Like I think like yeah, there's a lot of choices, but it doesn't matter. Jeffrey Tubin's all the way back, so that's good. On the movie front. Uh, <laughs> I went to go see this documentary called The Alpinist. It's kind of like Free Solo, where these people, I mean, I guess we're both humans, but I can never relate to people who do extreme things like that. And then, they're, you know, bad things happen inevitably. And they're like, oh, shit. What is, what, wait, what, what is the extreme thing happening? It, so this guy's like an, I think I'm saying it correctly, alpinist. Alpine. Alpin, like an alpine yeah. Oh, climber. I thought you were saying alchemist. No. Like one who no, no. mixes. Yeah. So this guy, so... Remember there was that guy Free Solo who yeah scaled. that was a, that was a thrilling movie that, the, the I was Free comfortable Solo watching I mean first of all they filmed it so I knew that it's not like it's live and they're gonna fall this one within the first five minutes I'm like oh my god this guy's gonna die right because what he would right. do is he would go up mountains with ice and like try to to climb the ice. That's forming Ice off climbers, the mountain. Like the video game. And there's no scenario where you live that. And that's what I said in my head sitting. There's only like a few people there. And I'm just squirming in my seat like this is not going to end well. He is <laughs> definitely going to die. He, it's, yeah, but just to spoil it, I mean, he, it does end as, uh, you know, as predictably at the end. Uh, no, no. <laughs> like, so we're, this is like a grizzly man but situation. No, so it's, it's off camera, thankfully. But the whole time okay. you're watching it, he's just like. He's got a little pick thing, and he's like kind of feeling it out. Is this a solid ice or not? And then when it's not, it, a big chunk just falls. Like, right. And I'm like, like that scene in in Game of Thrones where they're climbing the wall. Right. Except in real life this time. Let's just watch Game of Thrones so instead. So, is it anything like Free Solo where you get a whole lot of the weird personal psychology of the maniac who's doing this? It, it's weird because, like, he is in it, too. Like, the Alex guy, like, he he's like, oh, oh I, I take this as, like, as a sport, but he he's, like, a, like some spiritual kind of thing because, like, he would, like, right. run off. He would leave the camera crew because, like, it doesn't really count if the camera crew is there, even though they're not helping me in any way. Like, it ruins right. it, and he ends up dying because he, he and, like, one of the guy goes, and they make it to the top, and then, like, an avalanche fucks him up, you know? So at least it didn't just fall. They just froze to death, uh, which I don't know which one is better. Directly, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which yeah. one is the better way to die. He's probably, but, he's probably crushed. But just that like helps. that, Alex, I think, is the other guy, the free solo guy. Like, he had, like, a girlfriend, and she also kind of did the mountain stuff. He had almost, like, the exact same situation, and at the end, she's like, oh, man, I'll, I'll continue in his honor. Like, don't. 
No one ever learned any lessons. It's like, just stop doing this. It's too dangerous to do it the way that you can do it in a responsible way. But the way he was doing it, and he is really good at climbing mountains. He is unbelievably good. And he died. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's dead. (laughs) And actually, apparently this happened years ago. I just walked in. Just I'll, I'll randomly go to movies if there's not like a big opening. And right. I knew Documentaries nothing. get weird like that. Yeah, but yeah we uh, we didn't. I don't we didn't think we watch watched anything. very much. I don't even want to talk about it. We watched so little media. We're so behind. Oh, poor Lori. We. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I started reading a book, Carter Malkasian, The American War in Afghanistan: A History, and it chronicles the entire experience of the Afghan War from an American perspective. It's fine so far. Who's the author? Carter Malkasian. Okay. He was in the military and then was also, like, he was deployed to Afghanistan as, like, a helping a general, like, as a, not a soldier, but, like, a in the, in the bureaucracy right. under a general. No, military. Wow. And then also uh, did that sim- similar job from back home. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes if anybody wants to pick it up. You could just click through our link. That was we get like two cents. Something so along those it. lines. Oh, or just rent it from the library for free. Oh, that would be smarter. Don't buy it. We need money. Two cents. I'm also reading the uh, audiobook of Robert Penn Warren's All the King's Men, which is... Stop the doing that, read Lori. read times already. I'm so tired. <laughs> And uh, slow talking about books. All the King's Men, I demand, uh, Abe, that you stick it in your list oh. of books to read if you've never read it before. How many pages are we talking I about? I want to. What's Not that? Not that many. Oh, how many pages? How many pages? I don't know. 400 pages, no, that's maybe? Fine, yeah. Normal book length. I won't. It's I one can't. of my favorite books, 464 pages, according to the first hardcover version of it. I don't know what yours would be. It's a book that I read in high school. That I really, really loved then, and starting it again now, I've read it once or twice probably since then. I don't know that I ever realized how potentially formative it was in terms of brewing a sort of appetite for consuming politics, because it is very much a a work of American politics. And I look forward to consuming that over the course of the next uh, week or two and, and seeing what I think about it many years later. Uh, oh, interesting. But I would, I would still list it among my my favorite books ever. When I met you, I think it was your favorite book. It was in the top three, probably. And I don't know how it will hold up, and I'm excited to find oh, out. It should be fun. Uh, a four star review on Goodreads opens with compelling, overstuffed, overplotted, sexist, labyrinth, poetic, atmospheric. Four stars, and half of those things are not good and, things. <laughs> but it doesn't say it's racist. <laughs> I guess I, is there some racism in there? Well, the <laughs> N word shows up. Find out. The N word shows up profusely oh, in not, chapter yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, uh, anyway, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. That was fun. No kidding. We should hike more, is what we learned. Hiking is fun. I've always liked hiking. What I don't like is camping, right? Yeah. So I love being out on a mountain and hiking to the top and enjoying the sights and the sounds and the smells. But I despise even the possibility 
of like sleeping in a place that is less comfortable or Bob like meaningfully even like sleeping less in comfortable a than less my bed. than five star hotel. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bob requires utmost cleanliness. It has to be nicer than our house, or he won't sleep there. I, I won't sleep well there. Certainly, okay. yes. Anyway, we do need to do more hiking. We we hiked. Uh, what was the climb? The climb was like twenty three hundred feet up. Lincoln. Lincoln. How long Lincoln did it? Uh, was like a three hour round trip kind of thing, or? It was estimated to be the website said a four to six hour hike. We did it in about three and a half four hours oh. with a twenty or thirty minute hangout at the summit. So you guys don't lollygag up and down. You're like, All no, right, we were trucking. Not much. We were we were moving pretty good. We were like, that's pretty. We also knew that we would be going back down the same way. Yeah. So there's no need to, like, you'll see it on the way back. Yeah. We'll do more hiking. I just, like I said, the notion of sleeping out of doors has no appeal for me whatsoever. And Won't even use a moldy shower. And even sleeping in, a like, a cabin that is not well-appointed has no appeal to me whatsoever. <laughs> No, yeah, you're right. I, th I think I'm in the same boat because last year dur during the late spring, summer months of the first phase of this pandemic, uh, there were a lot of outings to like, I guess, oh, it's outdoors. Let's just do that. Not that, you know. Uh, and so we did, I think, like five or six uh, hiking things in like two months. And it was pretty good. Some are harder than others. They're like, I, I think they have all these grades and whatever or d level of difficulty and we never did anything that's too like difficult um except for one and and half of the people did not go all the way up because it right was too yeah steep. Our, my we went with uh Lori and i and andrew and andrea the oppressively nice andrea as we've discussed before <laughs> and uh, and my mother and my mother made it about a quarter of the way up the mountain before she she said, "This is this is too much. I'll I'll see but you guys." But it was, you know, let's. It was it was a difficult hike. Certainly, it's, it was not easy. It was a lot of hills. <laughs> There's just no elegant way to say it. It's just... right. Say it to my fucking face. You're a coward. You're an irresponsible coward.